Welcome to the craft life. In every episode, we'll dive deep into the rabbit hole of all things branding and marketing within the craft beer industry. Be prepared to be injected with tips, processes, and ideologies from those in the industry that are executing in a unique and creative fashion. If you're looking for ways to cut through all that noise and find or redefine your craft by creating long-lasting impressions, memorable experiences, all while having consistency in your attitude, belief, and values, then a craft life is a good fit for your life. Let's get crafting. Welcome, everybody, to episode 10 of The Craft Life. Uh, Today is much different from any podcast I have ever done thus far. Um, This is episode 10, but it's actually episode 11 because I started off with episode zero. But um, every episode I have done because of COVID had been uh, virtual. So today is the first actual time I actually get to sit in front of the brewery, talk to somebody in person. So it's actually pretty, pretty, pretty dope. Socially we, distanced. Yeah, socially distanced. We are about six feet apart. Yeah, yeah 12 feet. As far as anybody else knows, it's 12 feet. 12 yeah. feet. <laughs> so with the craziness of 2020 in our rear view mirror, I'm excited to kick off our first podcast, our first episode of 2021 right here at Gulfstream Brewing. And today I have the opportunity to chat with McKay, one of the founders of Gulfstream. And uh, for me, Gulfstream has truly been an iconic place. Um, not only I spend a lot of time here, I do spend a lot of time here, a lot of money. Thank um, you, Sam. We appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, a few months ago, my buddy Jim and I actually won our first homebrew competition right here. So we truly have a great affinity for this place. And I'm really excited to sit here with you and uh, chop it up, man. So well, uh, well we're excited. And and let me let me say congratulations. That was huge. It wasn't it wasn't just, you know, one or two homebrewers. It was a big event that spanned what? five hours six hours yeah, it was all day <laughs> yeah with two two waves again socially distanced but you know there was there was over 100 people in each wave that came through and and voted and did that so it was it was a big deal it was yeah. huge yeah you guys well deserved too that yeah. you're still amazing absolutely incredible yeah, we appreciate that time we uh brewed uh two different beers we had a uh a hazy ipa as well as a barrel aged stout and both of them are our favorite babies so we're gonna and, keep and you won with the barrel aged stout that was absolutely Unreal. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So today, um, you know, I got you on this show because we want to talk about everything is about marketing and branding and how breweries can get the cutting edge. Um, but today, I really want to get your take on what you believe the impact of social media marketing is to the breweries overall growth. But before we dive into all that, um, let's hear your story. How do you got into craft beer? Um, what were you doing before this and what led you and Ty to the creation of Gulfstream? And for everybody who doesn't know, Ty is also another partner, founder of this great place between you two. You guys came together and made this place even possible. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great segue. Um, it's a long story, so I'm going to try to condense it as much, much as possible. It's been a long journey. And this is, I think you'll find most people in the craft space who started their own thing. They're super passionate about what they do, right? Like ultimately you don't get into craft beer because you see, you see big dollar signs. You get into it because you love what you do and, and you're, you're crafting. You're, you're, it's time. It's labor intensive. It's, mm-hmm. it's very scientific and all those things. So for me, uh, I actually got started the day that I turned 21. Uh, you know, I always say that I started a little bit before, but I was working at a place uh, in Arizona, of all places, uh, Scottsdale. And the place I had worked for decided that they were going to open a craft brewery. So I had kind of been part of that process and I was super passionate about it. I'm originally from the Pacific Northwest, Portland, Oregon area. 
uh, drinking great craft beer in high school. You know, most people are doing keggers <laughs> with yeah. with Coors. I don't get me wrong, I did plenty of those, but you know, I was drinking uh, Deschutes and Rogue and you know all these these Henry Weinhardt's when it was still Henry Weinhardt's way back in the day, and so I I already had a taste for it. And when this opportunity came up to uh, to work at a brewery that was being built, I, I jumped. I was just nerded out on. I absolutely loved it. So. Um, so I started out helping as they were, you know, small tasks as they were building out and it got to the point they had kind of already started brewing where they needed some help in the brewery and I jumped at it and I just, it with both feet. So what I really, um, did was immerse myself in, in books, literature, advanced malting and science and all of that. Like, I just want to know everything about the brewing process. And it really started with raw ingredients when, when you can taste grain when you can smell hops and you do all that stuff and you can see and feel how it translates into what you're actually drinking at the end i was fascinated by it just absolutely loved it so when i say you know i started when i the day i turned 21 it was a little <laughs> bit before that but you know for legal purposes it was the day i turned 21 and it was on a 10 barrel system not very different than what we have today here nice. at gulfstream uh so i did that for a while, I absolutely loved it. Loved the industry. It's, there's great folks in the industry. It's a, as, as we all know, it's a collaborative industry versus being um, versus being very siloed and competitive. Mm -hmm. So loved it, but at the same time, I was I was focused, or I started transitioning into a software path because this was a long time ago. I mean, this is really 2000 when I transitioned fully into software. Um, but I was, you know, the late 90s. I was doing doing brewing. So, you know, I kind of followed that career path because there was money, but I never fell out of love with brewing. Mm -hmm. And were you still home brewing? Absolutely. Oh, so, nice. so yeah. And I've kind of been brewing the whole time. I ended up getting a one barrel system and at home. Yeah. Oh, wow. Brewing out of my garage. Nice. This is in the Pacific Northwest. I moved back, back up there and okay. um, absolutely just completely just still loved it. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of it. It's the passion. So yeah, I was brewing on a one barrel out of my garage. It, you know, it, I kind of did it in stages. It took me a while to build up the one barrel, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Start on the stove. And it was kind of weird going backwards. Like, you know, I done production beer yeah. and worked on bigger scale. And then I'm like, well, I need all this equipment at home. So then, you know, I went and got the carboys, did all the other stuff. And, and it just kept growing and growing. Just again, like, like so many other breweries, brewers out there, you, you start, you build a passion for it and you just kind of come up that way. Oh, for sure. I started with a one gallon pot. No. Yeah. And now, <laughs> now, now I'm at a, like, uh, I think what? 15 or 16 gallon pot so yeah I'm working my way up there and next thing you know you have a 10 barrel system and yep. or or five or then 10 or 20 <laughs> or through who, who knows exactly that's how it starts the limit, right? that's right you get the bug so yeah. really that's kind of the origin of of that eventually um ty and i met ty's a dentist by day um mm -hmm. so heavy science background he started brewing in dental school he lived oh, in wow. boston okay and for a lot of reasons, but uh, he had a friend that was, was was really into it, and they took what they were learning in science and that whole thing. You know, mm -hmm. dentists or doctors. Yeah. I mean, it's debatable, Ty, but <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, and so, you know, he took what they were doing there and applied it to to beer as well. With okay. with the guy, this other guy, Tad, who we know well, he's a great guy. And so when he was doing that, they, they were kind of perfecting their craft over there, doing doing it that way. Didn't have money for craft beer in Boston back in you know, back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, so that was their way of getting great beer when they didn't necessarily they were on more of a, a college budget, so to speak. Nice. So he absolutely fell in love with it. He's originally from the Pacific Northwest as well. Moved back there. We connected. Um, 
that's an even longer story, but we ended up <laughs> connecting around 2012 and maybe even 2011 and hit it off. We both saw eye to eye, really cared about the science. And, and but you guys creativity. met down here in Florida? Or? No, we met up there okay. in the Pacific Northwest. This is where, like I said, it's a long story. <laughs> yeah, so feel free to cut any of this that you want. Um, so we met up there and we were, we were actually looking for a space up there in the Portland, Oregon area, really mm -hmm. Vancouver, Washington on the other side. And we kind of honed in on a spot. We, we were about to, uh, to jump into a lease there. Mm. And, and at the kind of in between, Ty had moved down here to South Florida. Okay. Um, being from Washington, he actually played football at University of Washington. Played against U of M down here, absolutely fell in fell love, love with it. Yeah, yep. and he was like, that's where I want to be. So he moved down here and he was like, do me a favor, McKay. You know, we can open in the Northwest. Just come to South Florida. Come check it out. And we came in January of 2015. Mm. And it was gorgeous and moved six months later, picked nice. up my family. You know, we just, we, we were like, yeah, this is it. Let's go. And I fell in love with it. Obviously you don't move unless you know, move across the country like that. unless you, you care about where you're going. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I wouldn't look back. It's, it's been amazing. Um, so when we got here in 2015, we started looking for the right spot um, where it was a good fit. Uh, we wanted to be kind of close to the beach and all of those things. And so that's kind of, we found the right, the right area which is where we're sitting right now um and then it took a while to get open there's a there's a lot of hurdles with permits and city and, and what year did you actually we so we signed our lease in 2016 this okay. is crazy this is this is always part of the fun story yeah. this is the oh well <laughs> people say it takes nine months to a year and three months to get open as a brewery but mm -hmm. the reality is it depends on where you're at and it's always longer than you think so we signed our lease in the summer of 2016 and we opened in September of 2018. Mm. So that was two years and a few months ago. And what was this place before? Prior to this, it was a auction house consignment mm. store. So, I mean, that sounds weird that you would put a brewery in there, but it really was just a big open canvas. So what you're, and I'll try to explain it. We have, we've got about 5,300 square feet of just open, open space with pillars that are, are there that were part of the original build out there mm -hmm. that are part of the structure this place was built in the early 50s so it's original florida pine it's holding up the whole building and at one point it was a two-story building i think it was like a vfw or something along those lines <laughs> yeah it was a, right over here we, we have our big fooder a 30 barrel fooder that's sitting on top of what used to be the um the elevator that would just go up one floor kind of weird oh, right like, it's hard to picture that but yeah it's, it's just really open so we saw this blank canvas and over time, we've just built. Mm -hmm. So we built the, we built our tasting room. We built, you know, um, the, the pizza area. We we kind of built the whole thing. And when I say we, I mean literally like yeah, us. Yeah, 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 me and Ty and, and Mike, our brewmaster, is absolutely phenomenal. You know, we were in here with friends, hammering away, um, pouring concrete. We didn't pour the the slab, but you know, doing all of that. We had. We had some professionals come in, do things like work on our glycol. Tim mm -hmm. Wood, if he hears this, he'll appreciate it. He's <laughs> incredible. But yeah, most of the the aesthetics and and even some of the heavy lifting we did ourselves. So I'm really proud of it because it comes back to craft, right? Like we, we like building things. We like and we want it to to come out in everything that we do. So mm -hmm. you know that's a lot of what we did. Nice, nice. Yeah. So we opened in 2018, mm -hmm. um, September 22nd to be specific. And even though it's been two years and a few months, it feels like. I would say it feels longer and it feels like not as long. COVID kind of blew all of that up. You know, we had been open for a year and four months by the time COVID hit. Yeah. 
and trying to change everything huh oh my goodness yeah. yeah it's just been a whirlwind like <laughs> and, and and i think anybody listening or anybody anybody who's been alive for the last you know 15 years at all is going <laughs> to look back and say wow where'd that time go what exactly. the hell happened like it's crazy because i think yeah. of like 2020 and i like blinked and it's like it's I, it's gone it's gone <laughs> yeah it's gone it but it was a tough year but it felt like it just it was here and then it's gone but hopefully uh 2021 is a better year right yeah i hope so and, and that's exactly my point like when we when i say we've been open for for over two years now it doesn't feel, feel like, like it, it because there was a huge gap in time where we we weren't open but we were still working, working yeah. we're still making beer we were adding tanks we were working in the brewery doing and just building things and mm -hmm. aesthetics and so there was not really any downtime but there weren't customers in the door, which is very bizarre. Yeah, I can imagine. Was, yeah, so I still feel like it's we're in our first year, even though it's it's beyond that. Beyond that. Yeah. So with all that going on with COVID last year, twenty twenty, um, the beer industry changing, uh, the flavor profiles changing, people's mm -hmm. style changing. How do you guys stand uh, with your founding principles that guided you to stay true to what Gulfstream brand is all about and what you guys decided to when you opened up these doors what you guys decided to do besides changing in you know with the times and stuff like that yeah so there's i think that's a wonderful very insightful question for sure because it it did you know when we first opened up there was there was um a, a focus around for, you know just delivering a variety of beer our thing has always been doing craft beer well providing variety and and education to people so we're not just an IPA house. There's a lot of people that just want to do IPAs that just mm -hmm. want to do sours. You know, they'll sprinkle on a couple of other things. And that's not to say we don't have a lot of IPAs cause, cause we do. Um, but we'd always wanted to be kind of introduce people to new styles that they hadn't had before. So I might come in as an IP, somebody who just loves IPAs. That's it. Mm -hmm. But then you see something that's a little bit different, unique, a style maybe that has, has kind of fallen off over the last decade or maybe specifically in South Florida, there just hasn't been a lot of exposure to it. Mm -hmm. uh, so our goal was to provide that and to have a wide variety of great beers. It was always funny for me to hear, you know, for being in beer for so long and eventually, like I said, getting back into it um, at a professional level. So it goes back to 2018. I had hit it jacked on, on to focus on nothing but this. So mm -hmm. it was the start of 2018, kind of left the software space. I was like, here's, here's what we're going to do. Like, I just love this industry. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that that was a very surprising question to me when we start out is everybody would say, what's your focus? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, so what, what's, your, what's your focus on? You know, is it IPAs or, you know, that same kind of thing? And my answer was, no, it's craft beer. Like that's, it's craft beer. I mean, we want to do all styles. And just do them well. Perfectly. Right? Yeah. 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 We want to do them. I mean, there's definitely creativity and exploration in mm -hmm. front of you. You got a, a wide variety we have a craft light lager we have a beer called pinky drinky which is let's which go is, through this what, what, do, oh, what yeah. do i have in front of me right now well so for you guys who are just listening i got four amazing beers that i can't wait to drink um yeah go ahead and tell us a little bit about each of them uh, so, all right so the first one what's th in this little small that's, cup that's right? hold my beer that's hold the one beer. that should be in a big cup actually <laughs> hold my beer is exactly how it should sound yeah what you're holding is hold my beer and it's exactly how it sounds it's lawnmower beer i'm gonna go drink a bunch of them and get crazy nice so it's it's a craft light lager we brewed it quite a few times it's actually one of my favorite beers and i think you know one of the one of the dirty little secrets of the brewing industry is people that are in the brewing industry as much as we love big beers heavy beers you know 
crazy hopped IPAs. We also sometimes like light beers because we have a lot of those. So we set out to do a really kick-ass light lager, and that's what you're drinking right now, like craft style. It's great, man. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, four and a half percent, just super, super drinkable. It's very refreshing. Yes, just do a lot of them. If you've seen any of our videos, do some stupid shit on that too. Always a good time. <laughs> yeah. So so then we go to a beer called Pinky Drinky. This is kind of what I was saying, you know, as far as exploring and doing different things. Pinky Drinky is also a lager, but we use we use uh, wine grapes in it, Pinot grapes, a lager with that's that's been co-fermented with Pinot grapes. So you'll get just a little hint of that. So we called it Pinky Drinky because it just we wanted to. How's that? Very good. Yeah. Also something. So this is where we're saying we're exploring styles. It's a lager. It's going to be on the lighter side versus, you know, your, your other kind of mainstay very different than your pastry stouts, Mm -hmm. your, your, any, your amber, whatever. I mean, it's so this is where we, we like to have fun and kind of explore different things. The next one we get into the sours. That's, that's berry lounge. That is a fruit sour with raspberries, blackberries, and blueberries nice we've done variations of it berry bombs um berry bombs over baghdad the color is amazing yeah isn't that cool i love that beer i love it it's it's super good you know just very different on the spectrum or very different end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. yeah i like that beer wow good stuff man good stuff thank you and then the last one is also a pretty cool project we have a beer that we call that that we have done a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. It's not really a mainstay, but we've done a bunch of times. It's called Opposition Porter. Mm-hmm. It's this. It's it's an oatmeal porter that has been just very well received. People have loved it. But we also had a beer called Doomsday, which is our fourteen yes. percent imperial bourbon barrel aged stout. So we wanted to do a fun project. We we blended those into. A willow bourbon barrel oak and sat it down for six months oh, wow and came up with new world order so that's the one that you have right now NWO. So, <laughs> that's right so it's it was kind of a play on opposition porter especially you know considering political environment opposition porter and doomsday both of those the blend was the new world order this is amazing you know i love stouts so. i know you do and you do them right so you know this and is, i appreciate it this is, from, this is good thank you coming from you that's high praise so yeah i'm glad you dig them yeah it's really good so as you can see right here we, you know we've gone back to variety but what was really interesting with covid and kind of market change mm-hmm. is we had to sell a lot of beers to go and so at the same time you can't we had a lot a large variety and during that time specifically covid where where our anything we were doing or everything we were doing was just out the front door so people don't have a chance to come in and taste different things and you're not doing flights at that time so we focused heavily on beers that traditionally um, do really well in this mm-hmm. in this market. No, I guess really anywhere. It's not just this market. Um, IPAs. We did a a mix pack of sours and you know cans. So we brought in mobile canning. We changed that a bit because we typically don't do canning, mobile canning by choice at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like people to come into the tap room and we'll send out kegs of of things. But for us, it completely shifted what we were brewing at the time because all of our focus was on on getting beer out the door and package. And now it's it's eased a little bit, but it's really interesting how that has kind of changed mm-hmm. the market is people coming in and, and buying a lot more beers to go versus where they had before. And a lot of format, I mean, for us, 
seeing how many people still today are just bu- coming in and buying tons of crowlers to go like they, they nice. still aren't here versus yeah. where were they before you know you might sell it sell a few here and there where people are like oh i really just want to take it now it's it's become more of a of a behavior where people understand the format want the format and they're like hey i'm just going to take this and, and go home so it's it's really strange i mean it's not strange it's just really interesting to see how it's kind of shifted does it you think there's a good shift or i do I do because there's more awareness around crowlers versus growlers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they last a lot longer. They're a lot more stable. There's still potential for um, oxygen uptake, but it's a lot less. Where versus a crowler, you know, you might get a couple days out of it. The seal isn't always good. Mm-hmm. You don't have to lug around your own glass or buy glass jugs every time you come in. It's just it's it's a 32 ounce can. Yeah. It's a it's a recyclable throwaway that doesn't take up space and. And awareness around that specifically, I think, is really cool. Nice. Yeah. All right. Great, man. Great, great. Um, So let's dive into uh, your outlook of the importance of social media marketing to a brewery's overall growth. Yeah, it's it's huge. So and it's also one of the biggest challenges because there's a lot of noise in social media. There is. But it's also the probably one of the most effective things a brewery can do around connecting with its customers. and providing up-to-date information around what's going on. So if you're a larger regional brewery, mm-hmm. um, somebody who's doing like only package or a good chunk of what you're doing is package and you're, you've been putting out the same beer for three years, um, it's a little bit different because people probably understand your brand. They understand the beer. You don't have to educate them on what's coming up now or what's there, especially a place like, like us at Gulfstream where we're constantly doing new things every week or almost every week we'll have new beers right so you know if we've got 22 taps and for the most part we try to keep them full Mm -hmm. um you know there's very few that we keep here all the time there's a couple mainstays that we have but if you're constantly releasing new beers and somebody doesn't know that you're releasing them it's very difficult to get that information to the market unless you have people that are following you on social media. This is this is key because traditional other marketing formats don't work for that. Um, I'm not going to take out an ad on on, you know, Google AdWords or or be pitching on Facebook or some of these other digital digital areas that, hey, every week there's this beer, there's that beer. There's a lot of overhead with it. Social Mm -hmm. media specifically and I, when I say Facebook, I'm just talking about ads and that kind of spend. But when it comes to social media, it allows us to connect at a much deeper level and a higher frequency with the people who care and the people who want to know um, in ways that we can't do it in any other format. Mm-hmm. It, this is this is the way we have to do it. It is critical to our type of business. And there's a lot of great breweries around here that have this same similar model where it's a lot of a lot of new things and a lot of it's on premise it's a lot of it's in their tap room that's the only place you can get it you're going to get it so mm-hmm. it, yeah it's it's 100 critical the, the thing that i really want to stress about you know our types of businesses when it comes specifically with social media is this is as fresh as you're going to get it this beer doesn't last long it comes out it's super unique there's there's people that are will trade beers they'll get it in package and you know they want to store it for a while and typically those are still larger runs but you know there's a lot of smaller breweries that are doing five barrel things that aren't ever going to make it to package or 10 barrel things or two barrel things, one barrel things like orchestrated mines coming by here shortly. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. And, and it's stuff where, you know, it's so limited and it's so fresh and it's so local. It, to me, there's, that's the best type of beer to drink. And, and a lot of people aren't aware of that. So going back to social media, if, if we can communicate that with people who care mm -hmm. and we do, that's, this is what we do. People have the opportunity to come in and get it before it's gone, because that's really where, where in my opinion, beer is best. It's super unique. It's boutique. Everybody has their own, their own spin on what they're doing, but I'd rather go have a, a one or five or 10 barrel run of something direct fresh on draft yeah. than, you know, buy something that. 30 barrels of of something that was canned two states away for sure that sat somewhere that somebody resold to me i, I don't know that's just a philosophical thing mm -hmm. but um social media plays a role in all of that too so for you um how does a, a brewery like yourself um kind of stand out amongst the crowd with the social media because you know like if you look at social media um there are common trends that are happening and stuff like that um, do you think it's good to stay up the trends or kind of just stay within the bounds of your audience and kind of just give them the information, create that value with the audience that you currently have? Yeah, you know, that's that's the challenge. Mm -hmm. So we typically like to do things um, the way we like to do them. I find that trying to follow trends is and looking specifically like we, i don't look for inspiration around like locally i i don't want to do something somebody else is doing absolutely so i actually go the other way i'd rather build and we do we build kind of our own our own plan around that and sometimes it's very you know off the cuff we're just going to do something stupid because mm -hmm. it's fun and we're gonna put something out there or we're we're just have kind of a format for how we take pictures and and throw out new beers like we, we know what that looks like um but i think it's that's part of the voice mm -hmm. of who we are and i think that should be the voice because it is social media is, is the mouthpiece or, or at least the the let's say the conduit that we actually talk to our customers when we don't have a one-on-one -on -one. so if we're doing the same thing everybody else is doing then it's not really it's not really us yeah you know what i mean mm -hmm. then we're just doing something else. So kind of going back to the question, what we find is it's, and we, we've kind of, again, put our own little, little spin on it, but what we find is we like to do our own shit. That's, you know that's what I mean? it's about. Yeah. So there are, there are trends and there's, I mean, you can go and you can see on a lot of, a lot of um, Instagram pages mm -hmm. or whatever that there's going to be, there's good. If I see a package beer, it looks the same at least how the format is where, you know, it might be three cans and it's, and there's three labels and you see front side and back and very gorgeous pictures and appealing, but I can see that at a lot of other breweries. Like there's, there's a lot of, it facts. does happen. Yeah. And so, and it works, right? There, and it works for some, but it and, doesn't work for others. But. And it, it, exactly. That's the whole thing. Um, and, and if it does work that that's great, but we've just kind of chosen not to go that route. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's sometimes better to kind of pave your own way and uh, create that own voice for your audience that expect, something different than just the same old things that people are commonly seeing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could argue against that as well because, you know, those things are always sexy and there's a reason that everybody does those, but you know, for us, it's never felt like the right fit. You know, we, we like to be unique. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So do you guys come up with a monthly strategy, weekly strategy when it comes down to your social media? Yeah. Um, no, uh, without giving, secret sauce away because it no was <laughs> yeah um you know and i 
there really is no secrets around there. I mean, you know, we put a certain portion of of uh, the posts that we put out mm-hmm. towards branding. We put a certain portion of that out towards um, towards beer releases and so, and a portion of that to storytelling, a portion of it to events. Storytelling. Storytelling, yes. And that's we try to incorporate that with beers. It's mm-hmm. not always easy. So I'll give an example. Um, let's say Pinky Drinky. It's a beer that we've already done. But we've brought it back. It's it's very limited. It's short term, um, but we've already told that story. But we still want people to know that it comes back. So it's a little bit more difficult to tell the story of that specific beer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other beers that that will come out with, like we we did with COVID when uh, we released a new IPA. Uh, we called it Virtual Happy Hour. So we th- there's a real story behind that around you know as a as a new beer and what we were doing so those are those are areas that we were like okay we want to tell the story we want to tie certain things in there so it yes there is a strategy um we have we have a lot of metrics around what we look at what's effective what's not and again there's it's there's a there's failures too oh absolutely yeah yeah but every failure is uh lead to uh success right yeah yeah And, and we've learned a lot over time um around what resonates with at least the people that follow us or that engages. And, you know, for instance, I'll give a, a very specific example. Um, when we have people in, in photos, we have a lot more engagement, but we can't have too many people. It can't be crowds unless, you know, right now, especially people, hey, what's going on? Of course, on? of course. Um, but typically if it's one or two people, um, there's a lot of engagement. There's more engagement, like more responses than we would get if it's if it's just a picture of a beer, mm-hmm. depending on the beer um, and, and how it's how it's taken. So we look at that quite a bit and we understand it. Um, content is always king, and and content is not always easy to get, especially when you're when you're pushing out information at a fairly high frequency. So those are some of the challenges that you have that that any brewery would have is is really building meaningful engaging content at a high frequency that that keeps you relevant what that meaning your frequency are you guys posting twice a day three times a day typically try to do more no more than once a day okay um you find that works better for you than posting multiple times a day yeah well and this is there are people who will argue against this and Mm -hmm. and they can and they they should um that the more visibility the more people you're going to reach all of that. I've also taken the approach of I don't want to be bothered by this every day. I don't. I don't want to be inundated. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer to get information when it's relevant and when I when I want to consume it. So we have certain times that we'll send out content during the day. We've got targets. We don't always hit those targets, but you know, um, does a six a.m. post make as much sense for our customers when we don't even open our doors? Till four does a 6 a.m post make sense or does a noon post make sense or does a right now make sense because we're we're taking video of what's actually happening, happening. yeah so so it's really that's, fact dependent and that's such a hard gamble right there because it's like um people wake up going to their jobs you mm-hmm. know they're they're in the bathroom and they want the to they, they want to see content there. but is it content that they should be seeing at that time and does that kind of play a role with the whole storytelling and kind of branding because you know if you're like check out this new beer at six o'clock in the morning. You're like, dude, I can't even drink that. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. this afternoon. So is it worth it? And that's kind of debatable. And I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also a different scenario than let's say um, we, ha- we have an event going on where like for next Monday, we're doing a sushi pairing event. So oh, wow. um, sushi Hana is coming in and um, it's pre-sold tickets. We have to get that information out 
much earlier across multiple channels. channels yeah. So we're you know you got you got your typical Facebook ad. You have um, you've got stories that we're creating. Mm-hmm. We have um, we've got links and in Instagram where we actually change over our link and in Instagram to to support that. Um, for a period of time, mm-hmm. we have um, we've got Google ads that will that will run for that. So it's it's dependent on what we're doing. So we'll do like a kickoff that says, all right, here here we have this event going on. You know, here's where you can actually sign up for it. And you have to do it early enough out to where people can buy tickets. And then you have to repeat that again as it gets closer because people here specifically, they, they want to wait till the last, the last minute. minute. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes it sells out. A lot of times they sell out. People come and like, sorry, you, know, you got to get on that earlier. <laughs> um, but that's where the, when we talk about frequency and time, it really matters. So, it, again, depending on the channel and, and what we're doing, we are. We try to be very mindful about how we structure that. Mm-hmm. It's not just, hey, throw something up and let's see who follows. We actually have a real schedule and plan depending on the type of, of thing we're doing. Nice. So when you talked about storytelling, mm-hmm. um, how do you storytell when you come to a beer? Like, I want to hear your definition of what you mean by storytelling. There's a number of ways. So mm-hmm. to give you an idea, um, there's, I don't, this one's, this one's a little challenging, but we, we did a beer for somebody. It's more of a fundraising thing that's, that's coming out. Um, somebody was injured fairly substantially, um, with, with our beer rep that sorry, he, he's a, he's a beer rep for Cavalier. Okay. Um, he was, he was injured was it, fairly substantially. Um, Cavalier wants to do a fundraiser for, for this, and so we ended up, his name's Alex. I don't know how much detail I can actually get into that, which is, no, so, it's fine. <laughs> um, but so they're doing a fundraiser and we're sending beer across the state. We typically only distribute in, uh, in Broward, Dade, Palm Beach, and sprinkle in the keys a little bit, but that's really been as far as we want to go. We, we, we prefer to stay right here. So this is where our distribution starts and ends. Um, Cavalier is, wants to do a project throughout the state where they are fundraising. And so they, we, we work with them to create a beer that's getting sent out across the state. It's temporary for us. It's, it's, you know, it goes everywhere and, and the, all the proceeds go to support, to support this person. So we ended up using all galaxy Alex galaxy, um, for this, for this beer. And when we're, when we're telling the story, it's like, this is, this is an important beer for us because we want to raise as much money for, for this person um, and his family. Mm -hmm. And we want to be a part of it. We are a part of it. So we're opening up and we're doing some things a little bit differently. Like this beer has a lot of meaning. It's not just about creativity. It's this is going to support a cause. And obviously it's a touchy subject, Mm -hmm. but it's important to, to be able to, to talk about that because yeah. I think it resonates with people. So no, in, absolutely. in in the regards to specifically how we message, message things like that, that's typically social, like social media. Mm-hmm. We're internally, we're talking about what other things we can do to support that. It's, you know, it's a limited run, but it's going across the state. A lot of places will probably only get one slim of it. Uh, but again, all of that goes back. So um, there's a whole, that is kind of the story is like we built it specifically for them. Um, but not all beers, you can tell that same kind of story. Okay. So you have to pick and choose. Again, like for us, where we're cycling through a lot of beers, we were mm-hmm. constantly coming out with new things. The depth of story also matters. Do you think that's an effective way for a brewery to market um, for every beer that they do uh, 
craft for them to come up with a story about that beer or do you think that just kind of nobody really cares i think i think it is important Mm -hmm. but i think it gets lost i think you have to pick and choose what actually has the most value um again it's about noise Mm -hmm. i do think it's effective um but if every story for every beer sounds the same then you're not really telling a story you're just whatever you know what i mean no absolutely i'll give you another example so we partnered with um the uh, Coastal Conservation Association, mm-hmm. and this is this is also again another one of those really cool storytelling things. Uh, and this it's just because what we do. This isn't just about the beer; it's it's a broader about who we are. So we partnered with the Coastal Conservation Association. We're a corporate sponsor for them in Broward. Their their goal and mission is to um, is to really support anglers, to support beach cleanups, clean waterways, nice um, projects that like they recently deployed two artificial reefs in, in um in Broward County. Okay. Very cool. Right here off of Sunrise. One's a dive reef, one's a fishing reef. Just really cool projects. So mm-hmm. we we got involved with them uh because we support that cause. And we we've been donating beer for a long time. We ended up doing a uh we ended up doing kind of an auction where somebody could come and brew a beer with us. And the people who won that were actually um some it, it was a husband and wife. Their son had had passed away in a boating accident a couple of years ago. So as part of the Coastal Conservation Association fundraising drive, they're they're doing this reef project, but it's a memorial reef for John Michael Baker. And this okay. was the, the the son who passed away. So their mom, his mom, and and husband came in and brewed this beer with us. We called it the the J and B John Michael Baker Reef Ale. And we donated that back to their fishing tournament that goes to raise funds for the continued reef project. And it's this this cycle of we're you know we're doing a cool beer. We brewed this beer with this this you know unfortunately this um, cause behind it. deceased. Yeah, yeah, but it's really this this cause this bigger yeah. thing um, that matters because proceeds go back into the reef that's right here. It's local and it, and it's an ongoing project. It's it's a five year project. They've done three deployments now. Oh, wow. that's a big thing so when we're actually when people are drinking that beer it's it's for a purpose and that's for us is but it's also a hard challenging conversation to have too and we're saying this is this is what happened this is very a very tragic thing mm-hmm. but the purpose of the beer is to uh to celebrate and to to push other projects that are that are memorials that are things that are community-based all of those things so i, I love talking about that story it's hard to it's hard to continue to tell that story because we've been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we can always, and this kind of goes back to your question. I know this is going along, but you can, you can do that at a high frequency, but then it starts getting lost. So we try to bring that up back when it's relevant. So when the coastal conservation association of Broward does their annual fundraiser and we're doing beer, that's when we typically start bringing it up because we want to support their fundraising activities and who they are as, as much as, who we are, which is supporting local, supporting this organization and supporting the reef project. For you know sure. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm sorry to go on and on about <laughs> no, storytelling. No, it's, it's, it's listen for me, storytelling, I think it's one of the most uh, important component of marketing um, because it does create that one-on-one relationship because everybody just like this one mission, um, whether you know the person or you have 
strong tides to making sure that the ocean is going to continue to remain the way it is for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years, um, everyone has a different perception and different feelings. So I think storytelling brings that person closer to your cause and what you're doing. And um, what's cool about that, everybody has a different perception on that. So, mm -hmm. and it means something different to everybody. So storytelling for me is super important. I just wanted to hear what you had to say. About yeah, that. it's huge. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that's, that, that's challenging is it's always where you're going to put, put your time and effort because mm -hmm. we, it's a small group, you know, we, we got 10 barrel system, you know, what is it? 10, 20 barrel tanks or so a couple 10 barrel tanks. Um, but we run with, you know, fair, fairly lean, you know, mm -hmm. this is a couple of people here kind of do everything. And, uh, and marketing is a critical component. And a lot of people send that out, have other people do that for them, especially in other business types. That's something we have to do. Like literally my wife drives most of it as just, you know, but she spends hours and hours a day making sure that you know we're getting out that message and working with us to, to really help do that. But it's hard. A lot of places. You, you, you made up a great point. Um, it's very hard for an external marketing company to kind of uh, drive that because they don't really understand your brand DNA, right? It's very hard to speak Gulfstream if you haven't sat here long enough or haven't had the relationships or see the activity that's happening here every day, you know? So it's yeah. kind of hard for you to capture that and actually speak that on social media unless you are here. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, I mean, that's another kind of one of those things where we look back and we say, okay, this is where we screwed up early on. So for a period of time, I was doing all the social media. Mm. Um, and it got to be to the point, it's like, that's all I was doing. And it's not that I wasn't having fun doing it, um, but it's it's not an easy job. I mean, it really, it, it falls in the, under a marketing plan. Like you really, it has to be structured and it's, and it's one of many things, right? Uh, but it is almost a full-time job. So I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I, I just need some help. I need somebody to create some frequency. Um, and it wasn't me. We also had this, this, uh, this guy named Sean, who was not our sales guy, but a, a different guy who's absolutely incredible too. Uh, but he ended up, he couldn't be here every day and he had a bunch of other work. And so we were just, you know, a client and the stuff he was doing was awesome. He cracked me up, but it was still, it still wasn't the frequency in which we needed. So I took all that on. I was like, holy, holy shit, this is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's good work, but it's a lot. So then we brought in a firm that, that, you know, said, okay, well, we're going to do this. We're going to put X dollars here, X dollars there. And I kept talking to him about the story. I'm like, okay, here's what we want to push. Here's what we want to do. And the things that would go out were not right. Even though I would work with them and try to illustrate, and, you know, we do that. And it just, it, it wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. um, their priorities, a lot of it was on search engine optimization and other things, which is great. It's super critical too. All there's all of these things. Yeah, marketing is kind of a cohesive thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the but I felt like they were they were doing a very not great job on social media, and the reason for that is what you said. It's because they can't. They're not here. They can't tell a story. I have constantly if I'm constantly spoon feeding, uh, spoon feeding them the story, then it's kind of counter to them doing it me spending money to have them do it because i'm already doing the hard work we were talking about before content is the king mm -hmm. content is king and aside from that they were just scheduling content for me and or for us and it, so it didn't it didn't make sense, didn't make sense yeah. and so i really kind of at that time that's one of those things i screwed up i let that ride for probably six months didn't see a lot of movement you know the metrics that i cared about weren't there and it, it just 
it wasn't great. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of picture taking. There's a lot and that we do it all. You know, we, we come in and we do that ourselves. That wasn't getting done. There was it, I don't like using stock photos. That's it's gross to me. Yeah, you know, stock photos are well. I mean, and sometimes you have to. Well, we don't, but when like when you can, you can use them. But um, commonly yeah. speaking. No, and, there, and there's people that do that, and this company was doing that. And, you know, I see it all over the place, and it's like that's not our brand. That's not telling the story of who we are. That's taking some generic picture. We don't do that. I don't like that's no, mm-hmm. no. And I had a real problem with that, and so I said, you you cannot use stock photos. You have to come in and do the thing you said, which was come in and take pictures and be abreast and do it. And it just it just is not a good idea, at least for a company our size, mm-hmm. um, and for something as as craft and and built and, and important for me is, is craft beer. That is, I mean, that is who we are. We, we built stuff. We go back, we built all of the, the brewery ourselves. All mm-hmm. we, we create these things by our hand or yeah, our own hands. And so I, I, that's the last thing I want is some stock photography Perfect. sitting out there. Or if it wasn't stock, they were just reusing the same and picture picture over and, and over I was again. like, you know, this, this doesn't work. <laughs> so we, again, we took it all back in and, and kind of readjusted that strategy. Because it just is a craft brewery that doesn't work. Exactly, exactly. And if somebody is doing that, they're doing it. They're doing it wrong. Uh, for sure, for sure. And uh, kind of to wrap this thing up, um, social media and the importance in any business, especially breweries, it's kind of a cohesive thing. Um, I look at social media, um, SEO, email marketing, your website, kind of like building a foundation of a house, right? And you have to be around to build your house. You just can't build your house in the way you want to build it, telling somebody and not actually physically being there. So it is a a daunting task that any marketing company has, especially when it works in the craft beer world, because the vibe is here. You know, you can't you can't manipulate that through or you can't articulate that um, through stock photos or not being here. Yeah. So it is a difficult thing. And I think that um, any businesses needs to focus on understanding that and if they're able to articulate that to the right company then maybe there is a you know a way to work that out but then storytelling is another thing too that's super important like i said i think people come here um for the story that probably you guys haven't told but there's a story that your community kind of built you know and i think that it's very hard sometimes to capture that into into words you know it's really hard it's one of those battles that i think every business has to kind of uh it's a challenge you know you're always constantly trying to create that story that already is connected to your audience and they already understand that story and how do you put that into words and play it on social media so yeah that's and frankly you know there's there's areas even for us that we after after this long that we're just still trying to get better at you know there's because we do a lot and there's a lot of things we care about whether it's community engagement or or obviously the beer itself mm-hmm. and what goes into it and how we do things. Cause everybody does things different. I mean, brewing beer is brewing beer, but we all have different processes slightly or, you know, there's, there's certain things that we do that matter, you know, we are a water and, you know, we build the water before we do anything. We run, we run a kind of lean process where we get grain in almost always the week that we brew it. And then we get another shipment. Like, so we don't have things sitting in silos. We don't have grain sitting there when it comes in, we use it right away. Fresh, huh? Yeah. And so, and there's a lot of stories like that. We've got a a a, a hand painted picture of Bob Marley <laughs> up there that was painted by his son Robert Marley, an original. Oh, for real? Yeah, oh, like nice. it's a cool thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I love telling about it. It's one of two things. He did two different paintings. It's a long story, but it's a cool story, and it's one of many, many that we have. So finding the right types of stories to, or the right things to 
to get out to people can be a challenge too because you have a lot of you have a lot of stories in a craft brewery absolutely everybody does everybody does yeah, yeah because because of the nature of what we do and why we do it one of our biggest challenges and i think this is kind of what you're getting at is refining it and really going after a specific message and a voice and i mean honestly that's one of the things we could get better at because mm-hmm. you know that's that's the challenge i think everybody has that kind of challenge yeah because with growth time that's going to have to be something that you're always trying to redefine and yes and yeah. dial into so it's something that's a work in progress constantly yes yeah but and and going all the way back without social media uh, i don't think that there's substantial connection with customers which is mm-hmm. a problem right um discovery is a huge component in the craft world especially as new beers po- new breweries pop up there used to be far less here specifically in south florida mm-hmm. um but as new breweries come in my my biggest advice to them to you would be make sure you're you're developing that messaging early on make sure that you're focused on on social media as a way to for discovery for people to find you because that is a massive driver of how people are discovering new places to go the new yellow pages yes yeah i mean all that old traditional media print stuff you know we've dabbled in print a couple of times but it's very specific and very local it doesn't it doesn't really work Mm -hmm. and the most inexpensive way that you can connect with customers um and engage with them is social media i mean everything else is an ad you're 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 telling somebody what you do versus social media where you can engage and you can have a conversation which is is very different and create that value that they're looking for so yeah yeah absolutely so hey listen if you are in the south florida area please do yourself a favor and check out gulfstream brewing um beers are phenomenal i have three and a half or two and a half left we'll we'll change that we'll get we'll get you more of those (laughs) uh they're located at 1105 northeast 13th street fort lauderdale their website is gulfstreambeer.com on facebook you can follow them at gulfstream brewing and on instagram is going to be gulfstream brewing co yeah oh that's another thing make sure that you're consistent when you put all your you know across mediums we weren't <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah consistency is everything so uh, yeah we, and we, we learned a lot from you uh really do appreciate coming out here and like i said this is uh one of my favorite breweries um, not only that I spend a lot of time here, but it's always going to hold a special place because we, you know, we won that award here. So number this place. one, number <laughs> one. Hey, thank you, Sam. I appreciate you talking Absolutely. as always. Absolutely, as always. man. And um, lastly, I haven't done this before. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to let you see us off, man. So, uh, well, all right. Hey, thank you, everyone. This is this has been Sam and uh, with with Craft Life, and you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Check and out the next episode. Yes, Subscribe. Hey, tell your friends. Tell hey. your, get them. Get them paying attention. Get them listening. That's straight from the man's mouth himself. Okay. Thank you so much, and see you guys on the next one.